Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. You ever get frustrated with God? Anybody? Let me see your hands if you've ever been frustrated with God. Yeah, everybody not raising their hand or a bunch of liars in the house of the Lord. Come on. That is just a lob softball throw that you can knock out of the park. Everybody gets frustrated with God. We get frustrated with God because things don't go the way that we hoped or we built in our mind that they would go, right? Sometimes we get frustrated with God because things don't happen as quickly as we hoped that they would happen. I think, um, I think these are some of the most frustrating seasons in our life, that that silent gap, right? The silent gap between God speaking and God acting, right? The gap, I call these gaps the waiting room. God's waiting room. Anybody in here love going to the doctor and waiting in the waiting room? Hey, I don't know if you're a medical professional, I don't mean any offense by it today, but I cannot stand the waiting room. Uh, I was in the waiting room a while back and um, it was just the most awkward situation, the most awkward like hour, five hours in my life. Can anybody give me an amen? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm sitting in the waiting room and it's like everybody is making eye contact, but the second that you notice somebody's making eye contact, they kind of turn away, right? This kind of awkward like kind of awkward um, moment that happens in the waiting room. You got kids that are running around completely out of control, throwing Legos all over the place. And um, man, this mom comes walking in with her child and she's holding a bucket and her kid's like throwing up everywhere. And we're just, we're in the waiting room and I got this guy that's like across the way and he's totally like sprawled out across three chairs, taking a nap in the waiting room. I got another guy that is, um, he's got his like Bluetooth um, uh, ears on and he's on the phone, but you don't realize he's on the phone. It just sounds like he's talking to himself and it's like three times louder than anybody needs to be talking on the phone. And, and it's just this, this awkward moment. Like um, I got this uh, lady that, that's in there and she is coughing violently. I mean, no face mask or anything, you know, just from down here. And it almost like so bad, it's kind of disgusting, but you kind of chew a little bit every time they cough, like one of those nasty ones. Yeah, just getting you set up for barbecue this afternoon. <laughs> I got all this stuff like happening in the waiting room and then, and then Judge Judy is on the TV, right? <laughs> and it's... <laughs> And it's two moms suing, them, suing one another over some cheerleader competition, right? I got no cell phone service, so it's not like I can be distracted and scroll through social media or something. And so all I've got to distract myself in the waiting room is this, this like two-year-old eating well magazine on the, on the table next to me that's talking about 95 ways to eat more vegetables. I mean... It's crazy, no wonder, no wonder the receptionist is always in a bad mood and has the window, the sliding window closed in the waiting room, right? 
I mean, it's crazy. But life is sometimes like a waiting room. Someone said once that of all the hardships that a person has to face, that none are more punishing than the simple act of waiting. And so if, if these seasons, these silent gaps between God speaking and God acting is some of the most punishing and frustrating seasons of our life, then have you ever wondered, like, why does God make us wait? Like, why do we have to wait in the first place? And, and if we're going to have to wait, then the big question that we all have to wrestle with is, how do we keep from walking out of God's waiting room before our name is called? I want to talk to you about that today. Hey, my name's Ryan. It's great to see you. Welcome to Sunday Fun Day and week five of our message series called Boundaries, where We've been looking at this idea of boundaries, not as, as sin, but the idea of boundaries to, to protect the things that matter the most in our life. And we've talked about boundaries being kind of like rumble strips that are on the, on the highway. And it's, the, it's the, the things on the edge of the road that when your tires go over and they begin to make some noise that, that in themselves, there's nothing dangerous about rumble strips, but they're there to warn us to warn us that if we continue to head in the same direction, that there's danger on the other side. And so today I wanna to take some time and I wanna to talk to you um, about the story Lazarus in John 11. And so if you got your Bibles, you can begin to make your way there. We'll get there in just a second. But I wanna to talk to you today um, regarding boundaries as it relates to our purpose. God's purpose in our life. And when we find ourselves in the waiting room, what do we do? Today, I want to talk to you from this title, How to Survive God's Waiting Room. How to Survive God's Waiting Room. Hey, turn to three people that are in God's waiting room right now, which my guess is a lot of us are probably there, and tell them, don't walk out. Look at three people, say, don't walk out. Don't walk out of the waiting room. Don't walk out. Hey, look with me in John chapter 11. And here's what it says. A man named Lazarus was sick. That he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. You may be familiar with those two. Verse two says that this is Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. And so in verse three, it says that, so the two sisters, they send this message to Jesus. And I want you to see, I want you to see what this message is. Telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, when I read that, I kind of think, all right, these ladies are pulling the friend card on Jesus, right? Like they didn't just say, hey, Lazarus or our brother is sick, but they're like, Jesus, your dear friend is sick, come do something about it. And in verse four, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. Good news, right? That it will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. I don't know if you caught that last part, 
But sometimes in life, we walk through things that hurt. We walk through seasons that hurt. We walk through seasons that we don't understand. We walk through things that that really don't make a lot of sense to us. And then in that silent gap where it seems like God, God has spoke, but God doesn't seem to be acting, what do you and I tend to have a, a tendency to do? We tend to do one of two things. Either we begin to question God, right? I don't know about you, but I've been there before, or we have a tendency to pull away from God. That in those silent seasons, the gap between God speaking and God acting, we have a tendency to either question God or to pull away from God. And the reason why is because we feel like in those silent seasons that God has abandoned us. But I want you to see something in this story today that Jesus is showing us a really powerful truth that we have to settle within our heart And that's this, that just because God is silent doesn't mean God is absent. I want you to think about that today. If you find yourself in God's waiting room, that just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. Now, I want you to look at this in verse five. You can't miss this. It says this in verse five. So, Although Jesus loved, and if you got your Bible, I want you to draw a line under although Jesus loved, uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, look at this in verse six, he stayed where he was. He stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, if you don't know the story, Lazarus ends up dying of his sickness and the sisters become frustrated. They are, are devastated at the loss of their brother Lazarus. And they, they, they start to like kind of blame Jesus for, for being late. And don't we tend to do that in our waiting seasons? Don't we tend to get frustrated because we hold on to something that God has promised or spoke, but, but he hasn't acted yet. And And we see a verse like this, and it says that although Jesus loved, that he stayed where he was. I mean, I don't know about you, but that sounds so counterintuitive to me. Counterintuitive that that he could say, Jesus could say that he loved them and still intentionally choose to do nothing. He could say he loved them, but still intentionally choose nothing to do nothing. I mean, think about it. If you really love someone, right? If you really love someone and they're, they're in trouble and they're going through difficulty in their life, I mean, don't we naturally rush to their aid? And we see a story like this and it makes us begin to kind of, kind of think about our own lives. Like, like why, would, why would Jesus allow the, the cancer that, that's, that's taken over my body, why would Jesus allow that to keep growing? Like, why would he allow for my marriage to to just continue to deteriorate even though we try to go to church and even though we try to kind of live the right life, why does it seem to still be getting worse and worse? Like, if you're a college student or a high school student, why, 
Why can you have this dream of this college that you're gonna end up going to to pursue your career, but now you find out that the college isn't accepting you? Like, like how, how could God allow something like that to happen? Like, how could you step out in faith and start your own business and now the business is failing close to the point of you having to shut the doors. Like, how can, if Jesus loved me, how could he allow that to happen? Like, like how can we be in a season right now where everything was going well, but now we face foreclosure or a short sale on our house? Like, if Jesus really loved me, like, wouldn't he step in and rush to come to my aid in my most difficult season of life. And we see in this passage of scripture that the writer explains why Jesus didn't rush to Lazarus's aid a, a few verses earlier in verse four. And, and it was a verse for all of us that's easy for us to overlook and to read past because it doesn't align with what you and I often want in our own life. You see, it says in verse four that it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God would receive glory from this. Friend, I've been following the Lord for 27 years. And a lot of those years, I was, I was frustrated with God, like, I was frustrated because things weren't happening the way that I thought that they should happen and they certainly weren't happening at the speed of which I thought that they should happen. And it wasn't until the Lord spoke and showed me that Jesus died to make me holy, not happy. <laughs> Wait a second. You're starting to tread all over my happiness theology, right? Like I'm gonna accept Jesus and my life is gonna be perfect and everything's gonna go, no. It wasn't until I settled this truth in my heart that Jesus didn't die to make me happy, but he died to make me holy, to make me more like him. And I realized that if I was going to be unwilling to commit my life to that process and that outcome, that the rest of my life was going to be miserable. It was going to be miserable because I was going to set expectations for God. And if God didn't meet those expectations the way that I thought that they should be met, then I'm going to question God or I'm going to pull away from God because it goes totally against my happiness theology that life is all about me having a good, happy life. See, Jesus saw beyond Mary and Martha and Lazarus's current situation of Lazarus being sick and needing to be healed. He, he saw beyond that to a bigger blessing that they couldn't see. We see the, this bigger blessing in verse 14 when Jesus says that, that, that he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, now watch this, and for your sakes, 
I'm glad I wasn't there. I don't know about you, but that is a, that's a weighty few words to kind of internalize in our life that for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Like for your sake, I didn't heal you from cancer. For your sake, I've allowed the sickness in your body. Like for your sake, I haven't, I haven't perfectly reunited the marriage. Like for your sake, the college sent you the rejection letter. Like for your sake, the business venture didn't work out. Like for your sake, you're about to lose your home. Like there's something internally that, re- that we wrestle with with that because deep down inside of all of us, we want a happy life and we want a fulfilled life and we want things to work out. But could it be, could it be the tension of, of in God's waiting room, the tension of do we stay and do we kind of lean into all of this chaos in the room or do we just walk out of the waiting room? Could it be that the tension of all of that is because we build this expectation of what our life is supposed to be and then we wrestle with this idea that Jesus didn't die to make us happy, but he died to make us holy. And so the story goes on that Jesus He ends up, right, Lazarus is sick. He decides not to respond. He lets Lazarus die. But then he shows up and he raises Lazarus from the dead. So what's the bigger blessing? Like, What's the bigger blessing on the other side of Lazarus being sick? I mean, why why not just heal Lazarus and Make everybody happy. Like Jesus did what what we thought that he would do and our hope was that Lazarus would not be sick anymore and Jesus stepped in and saved the day. Now, why, why not do that? Why put people through a waiting season where they get frustrated, they begin to show their, their heart a little bit towards Jesus, not stepping in and doing what they hoped that he would and the timing that they hoped that he would do it in, like, like why? And here's why, because Jesus knew that the faith that had got them to that moment would not be the faith that would get them to the calling he had on their life. That if they lived the rest of their life at the faith level that they presently were in, they would never have enough faith to do what he had called them to do. And it made me kind of think, like especially this morning as I was praying and pondering over this, that that what does frustration with God tell us? It tells us that there is a lack of faith. It tells us that we don't fully trust God because we feel like he should be happy or, or responding in a different way. And when he doesn't respond in that way, we get frustrated. You see, most of us would naturally say that the bigger blessing here, the bigger blessing of Jesus was that 
Jesus didn't just heal Lazarus of a sickness, but Jesus showed up and raised Lazarus from the dead. And, and so he gets, he gets raised from the dead rather than cured of a sickness. And, and, and we make this assumption that that is the bigger blessing. And, and hear me, the reason why we would naturally make that assumption is because our human logic assumes that God's blessing means a more desirable outcome. We assume that God's blessing in our life means a more desirable outcome with our sickness, with our finances, with our marriage, with our future, that God's bigger blessing is a more desirable outcome. But I want you to understand today, and it took me years to settle this in my heart, that from God's perspective, the greater blessing is a believing heart, not a desirable outcome. The, the bigger blessing in our life is not the desirable outcome of what we're praying for and that God answers our prayers, but a believing heart. Like, could God have possibly sent Jesus to die on a cross not to answer our prayers, but to develop the faith that we would need in our life to become the people that he has created us to be? Could it be that the journey of life is more about becoming more like Jesus and less about 401Ks and all the different frills of what we look at as life to make us happy and fulfilled. You see, Jesus, you got to catch this. Jesus knew coming into this moment with Lazarus, he knew that a day was approaching when they would experience the waiting room of all waiting rooms. They couldn't see it, but he could see it. A day when Jesus' promises and everything that he had spoken would seem dead in the grave with Jesus' body. And so Jesus used this difficult moment to develop their faith so that they could do what he had called them to do. It reminds me a lot in high school days you know, this time we're, we're beginning to get into the summer and summer means football is almost here. Can I get an amen? Football is almost here. Go Knowles, everybody, go Knowles. <laughs> I got a lot of evil looks from some uh, blue and orange in the room and some Knowles and FAMU all the way. Let's go. But I remember back in high school, like before the season started, we had to do these um, three-a-day practices. Anybody remember three-a-days? Oh, they were awful. Like in the, in, the, in the hottest period of time, like in the summer, and you're going through all these practices, you got to do two or three practices a day, and it's just grueling. And those practices were designed to prepare us for the season. If we chose to bypass the three-a-day practices, 
we would not have the skill set or the endurance to win the games of the season. Could it be that in our life, God's waiting rooms are the three-day practices in the off-season before he opens up a new season in our life? And could it possibly be that he's trying to develop your faith in this silent season because he knows what's coming ahead. He knows the promise and he knows what he has created you for. And you find yourself in this season where you are frustrated at the very thing that God is using to prepare you for a greater, bigger blessing in your life. And what if... As children of God, what if we didn't get frustrated with God for preparing us for the better? And what if we sat back and we said, God, what are you trying to say to me in this season? What are you trying to carve off of me? What, what, what's the part of my integrity or my character or, or my habits or the behaviors that are not like you, that are keeping me from the bigger blessing the next season in my life? And what would it look like if we would be eager instead of frustrated to say, God, reveal to me the things that need to be carved off. Reveal the things that you're preparing in me for the future that I cannot see. Church, I've, I've learned this and you've got to settle this idea in your heart. If you're ever going to get past frustration in God's waiting room in your life, it's that a waiting season is never a wasted season. That when you find yourself in God's waiting room of life and he seems silent and distant, it's not a wasted season. You're not on the bench, you're being prepared for the future. You know what, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and the disciples that were there that day, do you, do you know what they learned? They learned that God's delays aren't a sign of his absence or his lack of compassion, but of his love. Because they build the faith that we need to accomplish what he's called us to do. So friend, if the reality is, is that we're all gonna experience waiting rooms in our life. And if the reality is, is that the waiting room isn't designed to destroy us, it's designed to develop us and to prepare us for a bigger blessing that you and I cannot see. And how do we keep from walking out of God's waiting room before our name's called? How do we keep from stepping out before God opens the door and says, it's time for the next season? I wanna give you three quick boundaries. Three quick boundaries, warning signs to guard our heart and to guard our mind in God's waiting room season. The first one is this, is that danger is close when we expect God to be quick rather than intentional. Oh, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. When we expect God to be quick rather than intentional. Friend, you and I are going to get frustrated in life. Life is going to be 
miserable until we realize that we can't have quick and purpose at the same time. That quick is the enemy to God's purpose in our life. That you and I could either have quick and miss God's purpose or we can have intentional and get God's purpose. But we can't have both. Here's what it says in Habakkuk chapter two, verse three. It says, but these things that I plan, well, they, they ain't gonna happen right away. Oh, I hate this word. I hate this word slowly. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled that if it seems slow, it says, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be what? Oh, don't you hate that word? Man, my grandma told me, she told me, she said, Ryan, don't ever pray for patience unless you're ready to endure some hardship in your life. It says, just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I love that promise. That means even though we feel like it's late, even though we feel like God has missed his appointment, that it will happen on time, every time, if we will surrender our heart to him in God's waiting room. The second boundary that we need in our life related to our purpose is this, that danger is close, Remember, it's a boundary. It's not a sin. It just means if we, keep, if we keep moving in this direction in our life, that destruction is on the other side. The danger is close when we spend more time thinking about our dream rather than our relationship with God. Thinking more about our dream than our relationship with God. Listen, if you're anything like me, you tend to get way more excited in the what than you do the who. What God is calling you to, what the door is that you're believing for that he's gonna open, more so than the who is providing it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my own life God has spoken something. He's placed a dream, he's spoken to me. And then I find myself getting stuck so focused on the what he spoke that my heart starts to drift away from who spoke it. And I've discovered this, that God is more interested in the journey than he is in the destination. We want the destination. We want it to happen quick in the way that, that we think that it should. But at the end of the day, God's in this more about making us holy than happy. And so he is fully invested in the journey. And when we focus on the destination in our life, when we get so hung up on what God has spoken that we begin to pull away from who spoke it, then we miss the whole point of life. Because life isn't about us being happy. Life is about us becoming more and more like Christ. The last one is this. The danger is close when we interpret God's no's or not yet as a bad thing. 
when we interpret his no's and not yet as a bad thing. You know, years ago, if, if you're new to Transformation Church, my wife and I served on staff here um, years ago. And we ended up leaving here to go pastor a church in Washington State. And in that season that we were here, we had a prayer. And that prayer was that, that we would really dig our roots into this place that we would dig our roots in Tallahassee. And for 18 months, for 18 months, we looked for a home, we got a realtor, we put, we put seven offers in on homes and every single one of them got declined. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation or a season like that, but we got frustrated. We were frustrated with God because we were thinking, we're trying to do the thing that, that is in our heart to do, to, to, to dig our roots down here in Tallahassee. And every time we try to make that happen, the door keeps shutting in our face. You see, the reality was is that we couldn't see what God could see. We couldn't see that God had a transition on the horizon in our life. We couldn't see that God was getting ready to move us from Tallahassee to Washington State to pastor a church to ultimately, get this, prepare us to come back to Tallahassee to plant our roots. His no of shutting the door wasn't to hurt us, but it was to protect us and to prepare us. And God taught us a powerful lesson in that season. That God's no's are just as gracious as his yeses. That his no's, that his not yet's are just as gracious as his yeses. And a cool part of that story is that I think helps us better understand that sometimes God says no or not yet and it's not, a, it's not a bad thing, it's a setup for a bigger blessing, is that about five months before we moved to Washington, our family went to a movie and we watched this movie called War Room. Anybody ever seen that movie? If you haven't, you need to see it. And we watched that movie And our two girls, Jordan and Journey, they were 10 and eight at the time. You know, we're as a family, we had been praying and asking the Lord for the right house and God's plan and his will for our life. And our girls, we watch the movie and our girls take a liking to that and they end up turning their closet at eight and 10 into their own little war room. I got a picture of, of it up here that I wanna share with you. And this is their closet. And what they had done is they had, they had written some things on post-it notes, some things that they were believing God for, for our family, for a house. And I want you to see this, this letter. This is, I think it was Journey that wrote, yeah, Journey wrote this. She said, dear God, 
I pray that you can find a house for my family and find me, my sister, and my brother to find a school. Give mommy and daddy a big plan for them to do. Dear Jesus, find me and my siblings, good friends, that if somebody does something bad to us, that they will help us. Make sure that Jordan and Jeremiah are going to be safe at middle school, that you would protect them. And this is Journey, January 20th, 2016. Five months later, five months later when we go out to Washington State and that church votes on us, they take us for a tour in the church-owned parsonage. It's a house that the pastor lives in. And when we walk through that house, every single thing that those girls prayed for was in that house. God's no and not yet of us putting an offer here and that not working out was because he had a bigger blessing in mind that he was gonna provide everything that we were believing for, but then we got to stay in that house for free. Hello. <laughs> God loved us enough to allow a temporary disappointment here in Tallahassee to happen so that he could give us a bigger blessing in Washington State. Friend, his no's or not yet's are just as gracious as his yeses. Friend, would you bow your head today? Friend, I don't know where you are in your journey with God. Maybe today you find yourself in God's waiting room. Maybe today you find yourself wrestling with with focusing on God being quick to answer a prayer rather than understanding that, that he's gonna be intentional. Or maybe you found yourself drifting and focusing more on the what than the who, or maybe you've been interpreting God's no's or not yet's as a bad thing. Friend, you've gotta settle in your heart but if you're ever gonna get out of God's waiting room, and there's only two ways, either you walk out or you endure it until he calls your name. And if you're ever gonna get out of God's waiting room in your life, then you've gotta resolve in your heart that a waiting season is never a wasted season. You've gotta allow him to do what only he knows needs to be done in your life, to prepare you for his purpose for your life. Friend, if that's you today, I wanna pray. Father, I lift up my friends, my family to you today. And Lord, I don't know what my brothers and sisters are going through. I don't know the heartache that they are experiencing in their life. 
I don't know how long they've been in this silent season, this, this gap between God speaking and you acting. But Father, I pray that right now, Lord, that the presence of your Holy Spirit would envelop them. That God, you would speak to their heart right now and to help them understand that a waiting season isn't a wasted season. That just because they can't see you or hear you doesn't mean that you're not working on their behalf. And so right now, by your precious Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak deep into their heart. Assure them today that you've got a bigger blessing ahead. And give them the courage to lean in. Give them a courage to surrender their lives. To invite you into the process of chipping away and carving away the things that need to fall away in order to prepare them for the things that lie ahead. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, it would be a a breath of fresh air and a season that seems stagnant. God, may they know your voice. May they feel your presence. And may they be assured of the future that you have for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.